Welcome to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. It's about the Bills and the beer. Now, here's your host, John Murphy. Well, hi there. It's Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff, and I'm John Murphy, the play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Bills. It's been a while. It's great to be back. It's been a while, though. It's been about a month since we've posted up a podcast just because things have slowed down in the world of the Buffalo Bills. Last podcast, about a month ago, we talked about the Bills in free agency. This week in the podcast, we're going to talk about the Bills in the draft. We'll talk Bills and beer, two of our favorite topics. So we're going to talk about our sponsors, Sullivan's Brewing Company in Kilkenny, Ireland, and all their great products available all over the United States. And, of course, we'll talk about the Bills, the Buffalo Bills, their draft complete. Um, they're deep into the offseason now. They pick up the fifth-year option on quarterback Josh Allen and linebacker Tremaine Edmonds this week. That's a big move, especially for Edmonds. We'll talk more about that with one of our guests uh, on the podcast today. But the off-season workouts, the voluntary minicamp still to come, and then the mandatory minicamp, usually around mid-June. Training camp should be around July when uh, people show up. Don't know if it'll be Rochester or where, but we'll get more reports as training camp approaches. And then once camp begins, we'll be back to a once-a-week podcast. Looking forward to that. we got a good show coming up today. And the guest I talked about a minute ago, Chris Trapasso, NFL Draft Analyst for CBS Sports. He writes a lot of NFL Draft analysis on CBS Sports. He's one of their pro football writers on the NFL. Chris Trapasso, based right here in western New York, He's from Orleans County. He's been doing this for years. He is a a real expert on the draft, and he's got thoughts on the Bills and their draft about the rest of the AFC East, about the pluses and minuses for some of the Bills draft picks, and about the draft in general. Chris Trapasso joining us on the podcast today. Also, we're getting set for a trip to Atlanta, Georgia, to help promote Sullivan's brand. It's coming up on Friday, May 14th. We're going to be at the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. That's uh, suburbs on the north side of Atlanta. The Anchor Bar, Town Center Road in Kennesaw, Georgia. We're going to be there Friday, May 14th at 6 p.m. to talk about the Bills, to talk about the uh, draft, to talk about the NFL, and of course, (laughs) to talk about the beer, to talk about Sullivan's. Hope you can join us if you're in that area. Friday, May 14th, 6 p.m. Got a Sullivan's night talking about Bills football with me. I'll be there. We talk on the podcast today with the man who's setting it all up for us, the general manager of the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia, Brandon Barker. He'll join us in a couple of minutes to talk about that event on Friday, May 14th. Let's talk briefly about the Bills draft that just wrapped up last weekend. Eight picks. Look, you got to say, I I believe this. It was an unspectacular draft. It really was. I mean, there was no pick that uh, blew anybody away. but It was unspectacular, but seemingly pretty solid. Two edge rushers to start, right? with Greg Russo coming up from Miami and uh, uh, Boogie Basham coming from Wake Forest. Both edge rushers. Yes, a need for the Bills, but maybe more best player available in the position in the uh, circumstance of Basham being there in the second round. Third round, they got an offensive lineman. They did in their next pick, too, the fifth round. They got uh, 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 Brown, Spencer Brown, in the third round from Northern Iowa, and they got Tommy Doyle from Miami of Ohio, in the uh, sixth round. So their next two picks after the first two edge rushers were offensive linemen, right? And good ones, too. Uh, Non-spectacular picks, but good ones. Then they went to a wide receiver and a guy who's getting a lot of attention, and he does from Chris Trapasso on our podcast today. Marquez Stevenson, a speedster from the University of Houston, he came in the sixth round, the second of Buffalo's three sixth-round picks. We'll talk about Marquez Stevenson with Chris Trapasso. He thought that guy could have gone in the third round of the draft. 
They got a uh, tackle in the uh, third pick or in the sixth round, and that is Hamlin from Pittsburgh. Demar Hamlin from Pittsburgh came in the sixth round. Uh, also in the sixth round, I'm sorry, they had four picks in the sixth round, right? Uh, three picks in the sixth round. Doyle was uh, fifth rounder. Also in the sixth round was Rashad Wild Goose. And as somebody pointed out, it's pretty good too. Somebody pointed out if Murph doesn't say the goose is loose when Wild Goose gets his first pick on the run back, he's crazy. And it's it's true. That's a good one. The goose is loose. Rashad Wild Goose, a cornerback, going to the Bills from Wisconsin in the sixth round. Last pick for the Bills. Back to the offensive line. Texas Tech offensive tackle Jack Anderson came in the seventh round. No spectacular picks. In many cases, they went and got the best player available, it seems, right? Doesn't it? I think it does. Uh, Best player available is always a good strategy. And it might be a draft. It might be a draft with the eight players selected. None of them play a real significant role in the 2021 season, right? Eight picks in the 2021 draft. Maybe none of them are significant contributors to 2021, and that's okay. Well, look, when you're as good as the Bills roster is right now, when your Super Bowl caliber roster, especially loaded with uh, skill position people, you don't have to get guys who produce right away. Right away, They might. I mean, Russo might be a good piece of the rotation on the defensive line. Same for Basham, but more than that, these players are kind of stockpiling for the future, and I think that's okay. The Bills plan on being good for a while. They're going to be good in 2021. They're going to be contenders for the Super Bowl in 2021. That's their aim this year, but I think they plan to be good for a while, and that's maybe the best way to evaluate all eight of these draft picks. We'll get evaluation on these draft picks from our first pick in the podcast coming up next. Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports. You're listening to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff with John Murphy. The Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff continues. John Murphy with our special guest, CBS Sports NFL writer and NFL draft analyst for CBS, Chris Trapasso. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the program. We appreciate it. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Chris is a local. He's a native of Western New York, lives in uh, Orleans County up in Medina. So he's got a a great uh, outlook on the bills and a great uh, look at the draft. And it seemed to me in general, Chris, the the draft, it it looked more normal, right? It looked like a traditional draft. And yet with all those opt-outs, guys not playing college football in 2020, it was kind of a different draft as well. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think being that there were fully vaccinated fans there in Cleveland, I think that city did a good job or seemingly from TV seemed like they did a good job hosting the event, but there was a lot more uncertainty, even with some of those top prospects, like guys like Micah Parsons and Penny Sewell, who were big name prospects that we haven't seen play football in like 18 months. So I think there was uh, a bigger disparity across the league as to position rankings and big boards than there normally would be. No combine and all those opt-outs made it a little bit more uncertain than ever. A little bit different. Let's talk about the Bills draft in in, in particular. And overall, what did you think of the uh, eight prospects the Bills drafted over the weekend? I thought they did a pretty good job addressing, obviously, the trenches. Uh, And I, I think the overarching theme for me was they know that they have their franchise quarterback with Josh Allen, and they don't ever want to get into a situation along the offensive line where they have an injury and then all of a sudden Josh Allen is put under more pressure and taking more hits than normal. We know Josh Allen can create on his own. He's a great scrambler. He can take big hits, but I think Brandon Bean from his time in Carolina, those Panthers teams were really good, but they ultimately were held back by not having a great offensive line. And he's really taken the opposite approach as the GM in Buffalo. So I like 
addressing the trenches because I still think games are won and lost there first. Once you have your quarterback in place, like the Bills do, didn't love the Gregory Rousseau pick in the first round, but I think getting Carlos Basham in round two was really good. And that sixth round selection of Mark of Marquez Stevenson, adding that element down the field that everyone in Western New York thought that the Bills needed to address. I thought that was great value late on the third day of the draft. Let me take you through some of these Bills draft picks, and let's start with uh, Greg Rousseau, um, the Bills edge rusher, first rounder. Um, you pointed out in, in a piece you wrote for CBS Sports just a week or two before the draft, you did not view him as a top 100 prospect. What did you see there? Well, he's very inexperienced. We know that he had the one year as a redshirt freshman 2019 with 15 and a half sacks. Uh, and then he opted out. So he would be one of those players that there was more uncertainty about because we haven't seen him play that much football. And it's been a long time on film. I saw someone that was not winning consistently in one-on-one -on -one situations. A lot of those sacks were of the coverage variety when Miami secondary was playing really well, when they were using him on twists and stunts, they had to kind of scheme him into those sacks, but there is a lot of untapped potential because he's so young. He's six, seven, 260 pounds. I'm a little worried about his athleticism because even being that big at the Miami pro day, he didn't really test particularly well. But the one thing that I think Brandon Bean brought up after the draft that makes sense, the bills had one of the best pass rushes in the league last year in terms of generating pressure, but they didn't have a lot of sacks. So guys like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison were good at beating their initial blockers, but they weren't the best at bringing the quarterback to the turf. And I think if you have someone like Gregory Rousseau that is six seven, that has a crazy long wingspan, he might not be your guy that is going to win in those first two seconds after the snap. But in terms of cleaning up, there probably wasn't a better prospect. I'm just worried about him in those one-on-one -on -one situations yeah. in the NFL. I was shocked when you wrote for CBS that um... – You'd be more comfortable with Rousseau as a fourth rounder, you said. So if he's drafted in the first round, that's, that's kind of a risk for the Bills, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. And Brandon Bean said after the draft and after that draft pick that this is a long-term draft prospect. And to me, the Bills being in win-now mode, and not just win 10-11 games, but win the Super Bowl now, I would have liked to see them address someone with more instant impact. And I'm sure they won't have Gregory Rousseau like inactive all season, like he'll ultimately play. But Brandon Bean admitted himself that he's probably not someone that's going to be in the top two rotation at the defensive end spot. So just picking at 30, you're obviously going to have some limited options. But with Rousseau planning for the future and understanding that Josh Allen is the franchise quarterback about to turn 25 years old, they probably were looking long view there when I thought they should have been looking more short term in the first round. Yeah, and you bring up an I thought about that before the draft, Chris. Um, two ways of looking at it. The Bills are very close to a Super Bowl. Maybe there was maybe there was an edge rusher they could have got that would have been a difference maker in 2021. On the other hand, there's nothing wrong with building for the future. If you want to be good, mm -hmm. you want to be good this year, but also down the road. And I, I couldn't really settle on which way I felt about it. You know, I can see the yeah. I can see the push to be good in 2021, but you also want to make sure you're good in 22, 23 down the road a little bit, right? Yeah, and I think that's the key, that if the Bills were still unsure about Josh Allen, they would have maybe pushed for an instant impact guy. But like I said, I think they realize, hey, with Josh Allen in the mix, yes, we want to try to win a Super Bowl next year, but we want to be like the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens that are always in the mix, that are deep into the playoffs, 2023, 2024, 2025. And I think that is when, if Gregory Russo develops, 
we'll ultimately see the best out of him. It's just going to take probably a full season for him to get there. Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports NFL Draft Analyst is with us. They go right back to edge rusher in the second round. Uh, uh, Carlos Basham, you referred to him as a uh, first-round value. Was that a case he was clearly the best player available, or does that show how badly they thought they needed edge rushers? I think he was the best player available, and I know we hear that from GMs a lot, that they say every time they make a pick, he was the best player on the board. Uh, But to double up on the edge rusher spot, like I said, with Jerry Hughes, at his age with Mario Addison above 30 as well, neither of which are coming off, you know, high sack seasons. I think like you were uh, saying, I think they were planning for the future at the edge rusher spot. And Carlos Basham, when he was picked, he was someone that I was like, this is probably not the position that the bills need, but if they truly want to stick to their board, he's the best player available. Freaky athlete, uh, not as tall, as Gregory Russo, but has a very thick build. I think he looks like an NFL defensive end already and very good with his hands. Like the way he moves and how his pass rush moves are today, I think he's more apt to hit the ground running than Gregory Russo with the Bills. Interesting. You, you had an interesting tweet over the weekend. Um, I guess maybe it was after the entire draft was completed. And I want to go back to some of these other picks, but you mentioned, mm-hmm. well, the first two picks come from the ACC and you mentioned that Brandon Bean in his career with Buffalo has what, 10 out of 31 picks uh, in the, uh, from the ACC. What, what do you think is that trend all about? What do you think is going on there? I don't know if there's anything to really take from that besides the fact that he does in the early rounds like to target players from the power five conferences uh why it's been the acc over the big 10 or the sec i don't necessarily know that later on we've seen with some other prospects they are okay dipping into the small school uh talent that's in every draft class but i think with your early picks you probably want those guys to be ready to go and to having faced players in the acc or the sec that are likely to play in the nfl you don't want to have them facing a steep learning curve once they get to the NFL. And Carlos Basham was a very experienced, was at the Senior Bowl, uh, productive for two or three seasons there at Wake Forest, highly productive. Uh, So I I think Brandon Bean likes those guys that have played in big games at the top competition when he's making those early picks in the draft. Chris, the Bills made eight picks. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I know you have particular affinity for the the six-rounder from Houston, Marquez Stevenson. What do you like so much about him? He's really fast and he is, he's someone that uh, I think fits exactly what this bill's offense needed. And again, this is a bill's offense that scored 500 points last year, uh, went 13 and three. There was never really a game where the offense was a problem outside of a few games where there was some inclement weather. They're a great passing team, but I think everyone in Western New York understood that what they did need that last element or layer to the offense was someone that could stretch the field. And that is Marquez Stevenson's specialty. I like the fact too, that he has return capabilities, uh, not only to be able to bring that to Buffalo, but I like receiver prospects that were good returners in college, because I think that helps them after the catch with their vision. And it certainly does with Marquez Stevenson. He ran four, four, eight at the Houston pro day. I think he's even faster than that. And of all the smaller speedsters in this draft class, and there was a bunch of them, I had him graded the highest. I think he is the most apt to hit once he gets in the NFL because of that speed, his acceleration through the second level, tracking the football down the field. And 
you can almost use him like a souped up Isaiah McKenzie jet sweeps reverses uh let him turn on the jets really early and I think he will threaten defenses from day one Chris want to get you to some of the other teams in the AFC East uh I I fully admit it was a little bit difficult uh Thursday night and for a while Friday watching the you know the Quite frankly, the Dolphins and Jets, I don't know about the Patriots, but watching those two get better in the AFC East and the Bills just standing pat, that was tough to watch. I'm not used to that. Yeah, I mean, I think what both of those teams did, they certainly improved, uh, especially early in the draft. I think the Jets trading up for Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard, was a little rich, but as Bills fans know, I mean, when – once you pick your quarterback, you need to do everything possible to surround him with the best talent up front and at wide receiver. Even Elijah Moore that they picked at the top of the second round is a very good prospect. I like Michael Carter, uh, their fourth round selection at the running back spot out of uh, North Carolina. Very sudden, kind of a good uh, pass catching back. And we know that the Dolphins are a good team. I mean, that was a team right there in the thick of things in the playoff race until they lost to the Bills. In week 17, Jalen Waddell is electric. He was my number one wide receiver in this draft class. I think the pairing with Tua uh, it was probably part of the reason why they made that selection. And then adding offensive linemen, uh, a running back late, and even Javon Holland, their second round pick out of Oregon. He's not a crazy athlete, but nine interceptions in his two years at Oregon before opting out. So there was some uncertainty about him uh, in terms of how well he can cover in man-to-man situations. Actually kind of reminds me of Jarius Bird, who came out of Oregon, that he wasn't a great athlete, but he reads quarterbacks' eyes and routes very quickly. That led to all that ball production. So both teams had a lot of draft picks, and I think they both did a pretty good job building around their young quarterback. Well, let me talk. Let's go back to the Jets for a second and their young quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I may be crazy. I may be way off, but I'm not sure. I'm not saying it's for sure, but I'm not sure that the Jets are better at quarterback with Zach Wilson than they were with Sam Darnold a couple of years ago. I mean, wasn't Darnold a better prospect than Zach Wilson? I mean, stature-wise, arm strength, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's not uh, a crazy thought because Sam Darnold was coming into the league very young but had showed in that redshirt freshman season at USC that he was a top-tier prospect. I think after that, the final season at USC, there were some more turnovers. But the difference is what I just mentioned, that we know that the Jets did not build well around him. The offensive line, he was pressured over 40% of the time last year, was not very good. Uh, The wide receiver group was lacking pretty much all three seasons there with the Jets. I think Zach Wilson, uh, more of a one-year wonder, and he is coming from BYU where he was barely pressured at all. It was a great scheme, a great offensive line. He's probably going to see more pressure at at a higher rate with the Jets, but it looks like, especially with Elijah Vera Tucker uh, and then Elijah Moore and then Michael Carter, that the Jets have more of building the team around him in mind early in the draft than the Jets did with Sam Darnold. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. And the Patriots get their quarterback, Mac Jones. Um, Is he sitting for a while and let uh, Cam Newton uh, run the show, or what do you make of that? It's fascinating because with Mac Jones and Cam Newton, you have to make a decision because those are two completely different offenses. I mean, we didn't see Cam Newton play particularly well in what was a totally different Patriots offense than what we had seen the past 20 years. So if Josh McDaniels, their offensive coordinator, wants to you know, have his quarterback running the football, that's Cam Newton. But if he wants to kind of revert back to a, a more point guard style offense with 
Mac Jones, then he has to kind of change the playbook and the play designs early in Mac Jones career. I don't think Mac Jones will start from week one, but if Cam Newton does not take off like he did early in the season in 2020, I think we could see Mac Jones on the field midway through the 2021 season. With Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports. One more first rounder I want to ask you about. Uh, mm-hmm. When the Raiders chose offensive tackle Alex Alex Leatherwood, you know, eyes rolled, people snickered. There go the Raiders, another huge reach. Not so much in your view, huh? No, I don't think so. Uh, this is someone that had two years of quality film at left tackle at Alabama in the SEC. And any other time that's happened, we've seen that player go squarely in the first round. And then at the Alabama pro day measured in with really long arms, he has NFL left tackle or right tackle size. And he was a high caliber athlete. So he was someone I had graded just outside of the first round. So I guess from that perspective, strictly on where I had him ranked relative to where he was picked, I thought it was a tick early, but I didn't think that the Raiders deserve as much criticism because they lost a lot on their offensive line. And we know that Derek Carr needs to be well-protected because he's not a great athlete. He's not going to improvise to pick someone with a high floor like Alex Leatherwood to protect Derek Carr. I thought was actually a smart decision by the Raiders. I didn't care that it happened at number 17 overall. A couple of more bills items to discuss. And this just came in as we uh, record this podcast interview on Monday morning, the bills, this is not. This is kind of a no-brainer, but a big move nonetheless. They've exercised the fifth-year option on Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, uh, fellow uh, first-rounders from uh, what 2018. To, that was to be expected, but it's still a, a significant move for both, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think for Tremaine Edmonds, uh, it's probably a bigger bit of news because obviously we knew with Josh Allen that would happen just to buy more time for that impending contract extension, but. Tremaine Edmonds has been a little bit up and down. I I think he does more for the Bills defense that doesn't make the stat sheet, being that he's six foot five with long arms. A lot of times when you watch the Bills defense, since he's been there in 2018, you don't see a lot of teams destroying the Bills defense over the middle because he is like a soccer net in the middle of that defense in zone coverage. We know how fast he is. He ran in the uh, four fives at the combine has very long arms, big hands, very smooth athletically. But I think at times he takes a split second too long to recognize what's happening in front of him, where he needs to be. I think having Matt Milano with him helps him a lot. What we saw last year, when Matt Milano was not in the lineup, I think Trent uh, Tremaine Edmonds played a tick slower. And when Milano was on the field, he was helping him call out reads and where protections were going to be and motions. So having those two together, I think made this an easier decision for the Bills because six foot five with four or five speed and the fluidity in his hips is not easy to come by in the NFL. Chris, I think I read where you said you expect the Bills are not finished in the free agent market. You expect him to sign a a free agent corner. Are you thinking Richard Sherman in, in the Bills? Uniform? Yeah, Richard Sherman would make the most sense. And, and that's really that thought was just going on the past of what we've seen from Brandon Bean to bring in, uh, you know, Josh Norman last year, Kevin Johnson in the past. They, they like Levi Wallace. And he's kind of funny that being an undrafted free agent and that he's a little bit up and down. It's like the Bills are always looking for an upgrade over him. Yeah. But then when it ultimately plays out, he's normally the cornerback number two and plays pretty well. So I think they like to have the veteran presence there. Although Levi Wallace is going into his third year or fourth year with the Bills. Um, 
I think, though, there will be someone like Richard Sherman who fits that zone-heavy mold that we know Sean McDermott runs on defense. Cerebral, maybe lost a step or two into his 30s, but can still be a quality player. And just because the Bills have gone that route after the draft over the past couple of years. Do you expect the Bills to make a move for tight end Zach Ertz from uh, the Eagles in the weeks and months ahead? I don't think so. I think the Bills really like Dawson Knox, although his hands have been a little bit unreliable. But remember, the Bills traded up two picks to get him uh, two years ago in that draft. And he is a good athlete. And I think they understood when they picked him playing in that Ole Miss offense with DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. He didn't see the football a lot. So he's relatively new to catching the football. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of those drops. They brought in Jacob Hollister, uh, who's flashed at times with the Seahawks. Um, and the Patriots earlier in his career. And the Bills, they want to run four wide receiver sets. This is not a team that needs two and three pass-catching tight ends. They have the talent at wide receiver, had one of the highest rates of four wide receiver sets in the entire NFL last season. So I think, especially bringing in Marquez Stevenson, they realize they are a wide receiver-based team more so than a team that needs to have extra tight ends to catch the football. Last thing, Chris, you know this. Most Bills fans know this. The window is open right now for the Bills yes. to uh, go to the Super Bowl. I mean, right now. Have they done enough, or is there more to be done to um, take over the top spot in the AFC from Kansas City? I think adding that veteran corner just for depth purposes uh, and to even help out someone like Dane Jackson, who was a seventh-round pick last year, Rashad Wild Goose, who they picked on the third day, to be that mentor and to be able to play – uh, throughout the season. And if Levi Wallace isn't playing up to snuff to have someone like Richard Sherman, Rashad Breland is out there in free agency as well. There's a few others, Steven Nelson, uh, guys who have made plays in the league, but are either older or haven't been super steady. I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. If they add another corner, I think you look at the roster, you especially look at the quarterback and what they've done to add more depth on the offensive line that they are a elite team in the AFC. And I think they can play with Kansas city. I think going to Arrowhead stadium and all the learning that they will take from that game to, to not kick field goals when you're inside the red zone uh, stuff like that. And, and even for Josh Allen and all, all the players, what they can take from that game, I think will really be able to catapult them to playing the chiefs uh, more competitively and potentially beating the chiefs or any of the other teams in the AFC to get to the super bowl and ultimately win it. Chris, I appreciate your uh, analysis. I always have a sports writer for NFL on, on the NFL for CBS, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports, Chris Trapasso joining us. He's also the host of uh, the podcast, The Prospect. Chris, we thank you very much for your time today. Thanks very much. Thanks, John. You're listening to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff with your host, John Murphy. We're headed to Atlanta in a couple of weeks. I'll be down there at the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia, Town Center Drive in Kennesaw, Georgia, to talk about the Bills and talk about Sullivan's Brewing. On the line with us right now is the general manager of the Anchor Bar outside Atlanta, Brandon Barker. Brandon, thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate it. Pleasure, man. Wouldn't be anywhere else. We'll be there on uh, Friday, May 14th, Sullivan's evening. We'll talk about Bills football, the NFL draft. Talk about Sullivan's Ale. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, Bills and their presence in Atlanta. Everyone's invited, right? You don't have to be a Bills fan to come, but I'm sure some Bills fans will want to come, right, huh, Brandon? Uh, if there's any room, uh, normally on Bills days, it's pretty much blue and red throughout the entire building. So, wow. What? So, what's a Bills day? That's a game day, I would imagine, down at your place in Kennesaw, right? 
Yeah, game days with us are insane. Um, I actually I bartended for about ten years um, before I started pushing into management and all that. And I probably met two Bills fans um, in the ten years I bartended. And I, you know, since opening Anchor Bar, I've probably met two thousand. So yeah. I didn't realize that you guys were so heavy in Atlanta, but you are here for sure. Yeah, and, and so when did the Anchor Bar outside Atlanta open up? When did you guys open? So we opened in June of 2020, uh, right in the middle of all that greatness. <laughs> um, but like I said, you know, we, we had a ton of support from uh, from the blue and red. And uh, man, you guys have kept us alive. Buffalonians, Bills fans. So we're really, really happy to be here. You know, um, does it feel like a, it's a Buffalo bar sometimes when you're in there on a Bills game day? Do you feel like you might as well just be in Buffalo? <laughs> Oh my God, dude. Um, so I grew up in, uh, you know, a Falcons fan being from Atlanta and all that sure. stuff. And man, I have been changed. I've been <laughs> baptized in the waters of blue and red. Um, so yeah, man, it's totally, totally. I mean, I remember our first, our first bills game. It was just absolute pandemonium, man. I mean, I got people jumping through tables in the bar. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wild, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, I mean, we packed out, um, Every game, every single game, for sure. You know, Brandon, it strikes me when I think about this, um, the Anchor Bar concept, uh, like Sullivan's really, Anchor Bar has a good story to tell. I'm sure that resonates with people, the the history of the Anchor Bar up here in Buffalo, and that translates to far-flung places like Kennesaw, Georgia, right? Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, a lot of people down here in the South don't, you know, don't really know the story um, like we do, but um, God, man, I've had so many, so many people from Buffalo that live down here and they come in and they just, they got to reiterate it to me and we always talk about it, but yeah, I mean, it's a great story. I mean, you know, you, you invented something that went global, you know, in the course of three or four years. So that's pretty awesome. Do you know how many anchor bars there are outside of Buffalo, New York? Oh man, there's somewhere like in the 14 to 16 yeah. range. I think, um, you know, COVID COVID just jacked everything up for a while, but we just opened a new one in California um, I think Texas is getting their third, um, Maryland, Canada, a few other places, man. But yeah, it's, it's across the country for sure. How do you, uh, at the anchor bar in Kennesaw outside Atlanta, I mean, how do you try to replicate the Buffalo atmosphere? What are some of the things that make the anchor bar unique? I mean, there's chicken wings everywhere in Atlanta, I'm sure. But what, what makes the anchor bar different than the other places? Well, it's funny. Cause you're right. I mean, there, there are chicken wings everywhere in Atlanta, but it's funny, man, because it, you just, you can't get good ones down here. Like for real. I mean, there's little like mom and shop, uh, mom and pop places, like, you know, somewhere like, you know, in Georgia that probably do them well, but um, you know, all the big chains down here and, and everybody around us that does chicken wings. I mean, we hear it every day. People come in and they're just like, I'm so glad you're here. We haven't had a good chicken wing since we visited Buffalo last and, and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but what makes anchor bar different, I guess, our concept and our building, I mean, really is the people, man. I mean, it's, it's literally like 60%, 70% Buffalonians in there all day long. Um, so, you know, people wind up talking to each other, just standing at the host stand or sitting across from each other at tables. And somehow, uh, these Buffalonians just always find each other and connect and communicate. And it's just, it's pretty cool to, to watch, but yeah, what, it's a special place. What do you think the anchor bar brand is? What are you guys trying to carry throughout the country with the different anchor bars? Well, it's just a, but Buffalo, the city of Buffalo itself is such a unique place. Like the, uh, the culture of the bills and all that, um, you know, I first experienced it, you know, at anchor bar 
And uh, man, it is just so captivating. And it's just a different way of life, to be honest with you. Like, it's not just a team. It's, it's these people's bloodline. And uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's magic, dude, to be honest with you. Um, so I actually, that's how I got converted was talking to everybody and, and just kind of feeling that, that love and that support for Buffalo. So for us, man, it's just spreading that culture. It's such a unique place to live and, and to be, I actually wound up like watching documentaries on, on the city of Buffalo and stuff after <laughs> I started working because it was so, it was so much fun. Um, but I think that's what we're kind of trying to do. You know, Anchor Bar is obviously known for the creation of the chicken wing um, with the Bellissimo family. But I mean, the culture itself has so much to offer. That's kind of what we're trying to bring across the country. Brandon, have, have, have you ever been up to the Anchor Bar in Buffalo or, or in Buffalo at all for that matter? Uh, I'm going, I'm going. Okay. I was supposed to be there last year, but you know, uh, that whole 2020 thing. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the books to go. I've, um, I've had, uh, some of the, uh, corporate entities, Michelle and, um, Mark, um, they've done like video walkthroughs with me of like all, you know, the original and a couple other places and stuff. So that was really cool to see, but yeah, I, I definitely want to go up there in person and just check out the city. I actually have friends now that, that live in Buffalo and have their whole life. So when I go up there, I'm definitely going to have a good time. Wait till you get a nice weekend in February. That's the best time to visit. You know, <laughs> I heard, man, you know, when the Bills go to the playoffs again, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, maybe I can make a game up there. That'd be sweet. Yeah. And tell me a little more in depth about game day when the Bills are playing and you got them on the tube down there. Um, what goes on? I mean, do you have games? Do you have announcements? What kind of stuff goes on on game day? Jesus, it's wild. Um, so we have we have 40, 42 TVs or something like that, big screen and all that stuff. Um, every single one of those suckers is on the Bills game. Um, you know, we have the music as loud, not the music, I'm sorry, the game day volume as loud as it can go pretty much. Um, I've got, uh, I've got my, my good buddy, James Becker. Um, he comes in every game day and he plays the shout song uh, and just, I mean, he just, you know, kind of DJs the whole thing and, sure. and that's a great time. Um, so, but I mean, honestly, dude, that entire place, I mean, parties of 10 and 15 and 20, just all in there for the Buffalo Bills game, man. I, I, the last game for the playoffs, I think I had to, I had to, I wheeled my, um, my desktop computer chair out to just give some more seating, man. It was so wild, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, just people standing on chairs and shouting and jumping, running around, hugging each other. And, uh, like I said, I mean, I got people jumping through tables in the bar. I mean, it's, nice. it's, it's pandemonium for sure. <laughs> hey, um, our product Sullivan's is not made in Buffalo, but it's got a strong uh, connection to Buffalo. The first place it was imported in the United States was right here in Western New York. How does Sullivan's, uh, all of the Sullivan's products, how do they fit in? Do you think anchor bar in Atlanta? I mean, like you said, man, I mean, you know, their first foothold in America was Western New York, man. So that's super cool. And they've got a, they've got a deep, deep tradition where they're from for sure. And, you know, when they had those guys bite out and revive it, um, that was, that was awesome to, uh, to read about. But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, they're Irish gold. I mean, we, we can't keep it in stock, dude. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything from Western New York, Western New Yorkers are going to support it. That's for <laughs> danger. Well, we'll be down there. We're part of Western New York and we'll be down there in a couple of weeks, uh, Friday, May 14. Tell me what people should do if they're listening, they're interested. They don't have to be from Atlanta or Kennesaw, right? Uh, what should they do? Do you take reservations or should folks just show up? We start at six o'clock on the 14th, right? Yeah, I think the 14th of Friday, right? Yep. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you're more than welcome to do whatever, you know, I mean, the way that we operate, man, is, is we just, we take care of people in any way that they need to be taken care of. So call a reservation in, you know, uh, show up, uh, whatever you need to do, man. We'll, if we can do it, we'll be there for you. What do you want me to do that day, Brandon? What, what, <laughs> what I was thinking about coming down and talking about the uh, uh, art or something. No, I got to talk about the bills, right. In the draft, I would think, right. That's going to have to happen for sure. Um, yeah, man, just uh, post the video around. We'll, you know, we'll get some Buffalonians out there. Uh, we had Daryl Talley uh, come out and do some signings and stuff. I think the first month or two we were open, and uh, it was all blue and red then, so I expect it to be all blue and red again. All right. Brandon, thanks for this. We appreciate it. Of course, brother. You're listening to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff with John Murphy. Well, thanks for listening to our uh, Sullivan's Pro Football Podcast this week. I want to thank our guests, Brandon Barker, General Manager of the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. And we'll be there in a couple of weeks, Friday, May 14th, 6 p.m. Um, we're going to get Bills fans in Atlanta to come on out. Should be enough of them, right? I've talked to several. We're going to talk about the Bills. We'll talk about the draft. We'll take your questions and bounce things around. Of course, we'll talk about the uh, Sullivan's uh, Brewing Company and the Sullivan Products. Join us Friday, May 14th in Atlanta at the Anchor Bar. Yeah, the same name as the place here in Buffalo. It's a franchise now. The Anchor Bar, Town Center Road, Kennesaw, Georgia. Hope to see you there 6 p.m. on Friday, May 14th. I want to thank our guest, Chris uh, Trapasso from CBS Sports, their NFL draft analyst. We talked to him for a long time. Got a lot to say about the Bills draft and about the rest of the NFL. Chris Trapasso from Orleans County, right here in upstate New York, a bonafide NFL draft expert. Good to talk with him. I want to thank our engineer, Pat Feldball, for putting it all together for us today. We are sponsored by Sullivan's Brewing Company in Kilkenny, Ireland, the makers of Sullivan's Maltings Red Ale, Sullivan's Irish Gold Ale, and Sullivan's Black Marble Stout. It's available in Atlanta, Georgia, where we'll be in a couple of weeks. Also, Savannah, Georgia, in New York City. Long Island, the Hudson Valley, in Jersey. We're in Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Cleveland, Ohio. Of course, here in upstate New York, we were launched in America right here in Buffalo. So Sullivan's has a connection to Buffalo as well. It's on tap in your favorite uh, tavern. It's in stores. Look for it. Sullivan's Maltings Red Ale, Sullivan's Irish Gold Ale, Sullivan's Black Marble Stout. We figure our next podcast will be about one month away. Uh, the bill's approaching training camp soon. We don't know yet where or when camp will be. Uh, right now, they're in the middle of, uh, as we said earlier, they're in the middle of off-season conditioning. Not everybody participating. We don't know how many are. It's all voluntary. They've got a mini camp and then a mandatory mini camp coming up, usually in mid-June, and then they go to training camp in late July. We'll have another podcast coming up before they get to training camp. We'll see you in Atlanta just a week or two away on Friday, May 14th. Thanks for tuning in to Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. You've been listening to John Murphy and Sullivan's Pro Football Kickoff. It's all about the Bills and the Beards.